Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And it says in 1 Samuel 20, verse 41, 1 Samuel 20, 41, as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. So this was such a long time of, of crying that it was going to be, well, who's going to outlast the other? <laughs> and it turns out that David outlasted the other. And, and it was a long time. There's the idea there. Joseph had wept on Benjamin, but it didn't say for a good while. It only says that when he wept with, with, with Jacob, this, re, this repetition of these waves of crying. Okay, now, finally, Jacob is the first to speak in verse 30. And Israel said unto Joseph, verse 30, Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. So Jacob has seen Joseph... And with that sight, Jacob says, now I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. He says, now let me die. It's interesting that when we look at this, that we can ask some questions about what exactly was Jacob's view of death? How did Jacob view death? And it shows us that that as far as Jacob was concerned, there wasn't a fear. There was almost like a joy in, in Jacob's view of death. He was almost like a looking forward to death because Jacob realizes that there is life beyond the grave. He knows that. There is life beyond the grave. You know, death for Jacob and for, as it's described in the Bible, is like a lying down and a falling asleep. Falling asleep is what it, how it describes when it talks about in Daniel that many shall sleep in the dust of the earth and shall awake. So it is a lying down to fall asleep, and then a reawakening, in, in, in the case of Jacob, with the fathers, called a gathering to the fathers, Abraham and Isaac. So for Jacob, death was a gathering to his people. Well, who were his people? Who were Jacob's people? Well, Jacob's people were the people who trusted in Jehovah Jesus, they trusted in him. So when Jacob died, he was gathered to his people, and that's exactly what did happen to Jacob when he did die in Genesis 49.33. Genesis 49.33, it describes the death of Jacob. It says, when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he, yielded up, he gathered up his feet into the bed. And you've got to picture that, sort of pulling his feet up into the bed, sitting on the edge, and he says, okay pulls his feet into the bed. After all, you got to be proper when you die. And then he yielded up the ghost. And then it says he was gathered unto his people. He was gathered unto his people. 
you know, as I said, those are those who put their trust in the God of Jacob, and the God of Jacob, who's Jehovah Jesus. And the Bible calls those people wheat. It calls those people wheat. Wheat is the people of God. And those who don't trust in the God of Jacob, those who don't trust in Jehovah Jesus, those are called tares. And tares are not the people of God. And, 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 and death is described by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 30, 13, 30, Matthew 13, 30, where he said, let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So death is to be gathered either with the tares for those who have not trusted in Jehovah Jesus or to be gathered with the wheat with those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus. And Jacob has this confidence when he says, now let me die. There's a confidence there. Now, this is not to say that the lost don't have confidence. They do. They do. They have a confidence that what will happen to them after death will be good. I mean, how many times have you been to the funeral of a lost person, and you can hear people say, well, he or she has gone to a better place, a better place. That's a confidence. That's a confidence that the person who did not trust in the Lord Jesus has gone to the better place. And that confidence is called in the Bible an expectation, an expectation. In Proverbs 20, Proverbs 10, 28, Proverbs 10, 28, it says, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. In Proverbs eleven seven, Proverbs eleven seven, it says, "When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men shall perisheth." So the difference for Jacob or the righteous is that they have a hope with a firm foundation. They have a hope with a foundation, and that foundation is described in Hebrews. 618, Hebrews 618, where it just talks about two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that which in the veil whether the forerunner for us has entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the hope of the saved is an anchor of the soul. In other words, it's got a foundation, it's got a, a, a real basis, and that hope is based on the person of the Lord Jesus. And that's what our hope is based on, him. We believe his words, we trust in his work on the cross, as the atonement, as the effective atonement for our souls, and we shelter ourselves under his blood. And all of this is for us the hope with the anchor. Our hope's in a person. Jacob's hope was in the same person, Jehovah Jesus. Jacob knew him as Jehovah. We know him as Jesus. He's the same person. He's Jehovah Jesus. So, for, so, so for Jacob, when he looks at death, he says, oh, the best is yet to come. Because after death, he's going to be gathered to his, to his people in a continuance, in a, in, a, in a continuance 
of his worship of, Jehovah, of, of, of Jehovah Jesus. And this is the great thing, that there is this title given in the word of God in Hebrews 4.9, Hebrews 4.9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. What a great thing. That What a great term, what a great title, the people of God. We weren't born as part of the people of God, but we believed when we believed into the Lord Jesus as our God and as our Savior, we became part of the people of God. And that's described for us in 1 Peter 2.10. 1 Peter 2.10 puts it this way about us, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Okay, but seeing Jacob here stand there after having seen Joseph and say in verse 30, now let me die since I have seen thy face, it kind of reminds us a little bit of Simeon in the temple when he saw the Lord Jesus as a baby. And it says in Luke 2.25, Luke 2.25, Behold, there was a man in the tent in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was devout and just, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. And he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, or thy Jesus, thy Yeshua. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. <clears throat> so, Simeon, he's got one desire. One desire before he dies, he wants to see the Lord's Messiah. Jacob has one desire before he dies that he can see Joseph again. For Simeon, after he saw the Lord, he said, now let us thy servant depart in peace. For Jacob, after he sees Joseph, he says, now let me die. Reminds me of this, now let me die. Reminds me of of a Jewish Holocaust survivor who when he was presented with the gospel, he said, well, what can I do? Meaning, that gospel seems to be only for Gentiles, for the, for the Christians. Since he was Jewish, he says, what can I do? And then he was shown from the Bible that the gospel is for the Jewish people. He received the Lord Jesus as his God and Savior. Wonderful peace came over him, a happiness into his life. And in, in, in his Jewish retirement home, he used to put a Bible, the complete Bible, with the Old and New Testaments on a side table, and then somebody else would come and put another book on top of it, and then he would go back and take that book off and put it back up on top. And, and it was like, and, and then a few months later he died, and then when he did, it was having made his peace with God, it was almost like he was saying the words of Jacob in verse 30, now let me die, now let me die. So Jacob in verse 30, it's like he's calling for death. He's saying, you know, now let me die. He's calling for death. He says, okay, look, bring on death now. I'm ready because I've done it. Actually, Jacob goes on to live for 17 more years. It's kind of a long time, which shows us death doesn't come when we call for it. It comes when God calls for it. Now, 
Now Joseph. Joseph tells his family what he's going to do in verse 31. Joseph said unto his brethren, unto his father's house, I'll go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, my brethren and my father's house, which are in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. So he says here he's going to go up. Why does he say he's going to go up? Because that's where he lived. He lived in a city that was topographically, geographically, a higher elevation. He lived in Memphis. He didn't live in Cairo. <laughs> he lived in Memphis. That's where Pharaoh and Joseph lived. And it's physically higher than Goshen. So he says he's going up. And he's going up there really to secure a wonderful future for his family, for his brothers. And, and seeing Joseph do this now, it makes us remember, we think our time, you know, there was a time when his brothers tried to kill him. They wanted to kill him. And now we see him going up to preserve the future of his brothers. I mean, this is, this is very interesting when you look at forgiveness. Forgiveness is not getting even. Forgiveness is not, forgiveness, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.15, 1 Thessalonians 5.15, it says, see that none render, render evil for evil. That's getting even. Unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So forgiveness, what it means, it means to actually help the persons who offended you. Just like helping, helping a, a, an animal of an enemy, which is the way it's called out in Exodus 23.4. Exodus 23.4, it says, If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee, lying under his burden, and wouldst forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. I mean, it doesn't mean to pretend you don't see it, but but it means to help the person who not hated you, but is hating you. <laughs> forgiveness doesn't mean, forgiveness is not to say what goes around comes around, and I'm going to help it come around. <laughs> doesn't mean that, see. And that, that's why in, in Proverbs twenty four twenty nine, Proverbs twenty four twenty nine, it says, "Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work." So the Lord Jesus put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew five forty four, Matthew five forty four, when he says, "But I say unto you, love your enemies." Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It's not easy to do this. It's not easy at all. Paul knew this. That's why he said at the end of Romans, he says, I want you to take a deep look into yourself and see if this may be possible. He says in Romans 12, 17, Romans 12, 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. <laughs> I think that's... Anyway, <clears throat> dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now, coals of fire on his head. So, you know, people used to carry coals of fire on their head, you know, to, to go to their fireplaces, you know, it wasn't like you're going to burn them up, you know, it's going to help them. The great part about verse 31 is when Joseph said that he was going up to Pharaoh, which was obviously to work for their benefit. And it shows us what true forgiveness is. 
Joseph is working to secure a good future for his brothers who tried to kill him. You know, that's just like Moses. Moses, who in one chapter said in chapter in Exodus 17:4, Exodus 17:4, Moses cried unto the Lord saying, "What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me." So this is Exodus chapter 17. And then in the next chapter, Exodus 18, he, we see Moses working for the benefit of the people to resolve their personal conflicts and disputes. Not that they had any, but <clears throat> among the very people who tried to kill him. And his father-in-law, Jethro, don't think about Beverly Hillbillies, his just name happens to be Jethro. His father-in-law, Jethro, comes, and when his father-in-law comes to visit him, Moses won't even take a break from helping the people. He won't even go on a vacation. It says in Exodus 18, 14, Exodus 18, 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thyself alone? All the people stand by thee from morning to evening. Moses said unto his father-in-law, because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and in, in, in his laws. That's what forgiveness looks like. If forgiveness looks like a Moses who is working day and night to resolve the personal problems for the very people who the chapter before had stones in their hands and were ready to kill him. They're plotting his death. That's what forgiveness looks like. Forgiveness looks like the Lord Jesus who's working by pouring out his last lifeblood on the cross to accomplish an atonement, working for an atonement for the sins of the very people below the cross who had just nailed him to the cross. When he said in Luke 23, 34, Luke 23, 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. That's what forgiveness looks like. Forgiveness looks like the Lord Jesus doing the work of atonement on the cross for the very people who nailed him to the cross and are gambling for his clothes. Joseph, Moses, the Lord Jesus all show us what forgiveness looks like. It's not just burying the hatchet. It's not just not being angry anymore with the offender. It's not just saying, well, I forgive him for what he did to me and I'm not mad at him anymore. Joseph and Moses and the Lord Jesus show us that what forgiveness looks like is actually working for the benefit of those who harmed us. And that's why it was so important when the Lord said that in Matthew 5.44, Matthew 5.44, which we saw already, I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you. See, in all those examples, we see forgiveness looks like do good to the person who is in the process of cursing you, do good to the person who is actively hating you, do good to the person who is abusing you and persecuting you. He didn't say do good to the people that used to hate you, or do good, but he said, do good to the people who are actively hating you. He didn't say, do good to them that repent, that have repented for hating you. He said, do good to those who haven't repented and they're still hating you. That's not easy. 
but with the help of God. And I've asked myself, what can I do? What can I do? Let's see now. Who hates me? Oh, I know. (laughs) I said, for me, it's bringing the gospel to the Jewish people. Okay. Then Joseph explained to his family what he is going to say to to Pharaoh in verse 31. Verse 31. Joseph said unto his brethren and unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, My brethren, my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. So Joseph told them he's going to go tell Pharaoh, My family has come unto me, my brethren, my father's house. They've come unto me. Now, there was a great famine going on at this time. And they were all, for all practical purposes, starving to death. But Joseph was not going to say to Pharaoh, because of the famine, they've come into Egypt where there's food. And Joseph, and, and Egypt was a great country, especially compared to, to Canaan. And, but Joseph was not going to say to Pharaoh, because they heard about the greatness of Egypt and they want to come to Egypt, they've come. Joseph was not going to say anything like that. Because Joseph had one message to tell Pharaoh, and that was, in verse 31, my brethren and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. The singular reason that Joseph was going to tell Pharaoh that the, uh, was that they had come to Joseph. And never mind the fact that the brothers wanted to kill him. That was in the past before repentance. Now they want to come to be with Joseph. And, 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 and they want to come to Egypt, not to escape the famine, not to, because Egypt's such a great country, but because that's where Joseph was. And that's the reason they wanted to come. And Joseph knew that when Pharaoh heard that, Pharaoh would understand. He, after all, called them out of prison. And because Pharaoh loved Joseph. He loved Joseph. He loved Joseph so much that Pharaoh would understand how the family's love for Joseph surpassed the, the, the need to, to, to be, get food for the famine or to come to the great country of Egypt. He just knew, Pharaoh just knew, it would understand why they wanted to come to be with Pharaoh. And Joseph knew that that would link Joseph's family to Pharaoh. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. 
Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. You are invited to the 4th Annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction in support of the Life and Light Foundation on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. We will highlight the Life and Light Ministries that include the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism, and the Friendship with God Radio Ministry. Learn how your faithful support impacts the furtherance of the gospel to millions of lost people. All registered guests will take a walk through history and experience amazing foods themed for each exhibit. Everyone will have the opportunity to take home some amazing auction items, and we will hear from Creation Museum President Tom Cantor. The cost of the event is $39 per person and $59 per couple. Register today at tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. 